Father in heaven, we thank you so much for Ron and Janet's story. We thank you for the miracle of your grace, how you raised Janet up off a bed of illness and death. And we're thankful that Jesus is still the miracle-working Christ. And so tonight, as we study more about how to have living faith, encourage our hearts, inspire our minds, and lift our vision to know Him better. In Christ's name, amen. Our topic tonight is the healing power, the healing power of faith. And tonight, as we go to Scripture, we'll study together the power of faith. Some time ago, I was traveling with my son. And as we were flying, Mark was reading the USA Today. And he nudged me on the aircraft and he said, Dad, you need to see this article on the front page of USA Today. It was an article on prayer, faith, and healing. As I read the article, it sent me on a journey, a journey of research, looking at the evidence that faith makes a dramatic difference in the physical life, not merely in the spiritual life. For the last 25 years, research has been coming in that indicates that faith has a direct relationship to healing. Let's look at some of that research tonight. Research that indicates that faith makes a positive difference in our physical, mental, and emotional health. And it does. Well-known universities, national public research institutes, and privately funded health organizations are all coming to the same conclusions. A strong belief system can be a foundation for improved health. Would you like improved health? Would you like to have the quality of your life improved? Faith is not something that is simply pie in the sky that prepares us for the by and by. But faith actually has an impact on our physical health. If, let's look at some of these studies. First, stress. And stress is a, there's been a comprehensive study conducted in Alameda County, California, followed by lifestyle practices of nearly 7,000 Californians. And the study indicates this. It revealed that West Coast worshipers who participate in church-sponsored activities are markedly less stressed over finances, health, and other daily concerns than non-spiritual types. That came out of the Journal of Gerontology, Psychological Sciences in 1998. Um, let's go from there to a study on blood pressure that was published in the International Journal of Psychiatry and Medicine, 1998. Senior citizens in a Duke University study who attended religious services, prayed or read the Bible regularly, had lower blood pressure than those who didn't pray or study the Bible. Fascinating study. Here are people that are studying the Bible, and it actually has an impact on their blood pressure. It actually lowers their blood pressure. A study done on mortality, research on 1,931 older adults, indicates that those who attend religious service regularly have a lower mortality rate. That's a lower death rate, the American Journal of Public Health, 1998. In other words, here are people that they go to church and they seem to have a lower death rate than the general number of people in the population. There was a study done on immunity published in the International Journal of Psychiatry and Medicine, 1997. It was research on 1,700 adults, and it found that those who attend religious services were less likely to have elevated levels of interleukin-6, an immune substance prevalent in people with chronic diseases. In other words, if you want to build your immune system, one thing that does that is faithfulness in attending church and faithfulness in studying the Bible and praying. We don't have all the answers of why this happens. The research isn't definitive in why it happens, but the research that is still coming in indicates the powerful beneficial effect on our health if we're attending church, studying the Bible, and if we're praying. There was a study done on lifestyle. Recent review of several studies suggests 
that spirituality is linked with low suicide rates, low alcohol and drug abuse, less criminal behavior, fewer divorces, and higher marital satisfaction. It was published in Religion and Clinical Practice, 1996. So those youth that are at risk behavior, if indeed they attend church, if indeed they are led to Bible study and prayer, it only makes sense that that risk-at-risk risk behavior goes dramatically down. Faith plays an amazing role in keeping us healthy, giving us new vigor, giving us new excitement and reason for living and preserving our health. There's a study that's been done on depression. And that study on depression is an incredibly positive study. The study on depression says this, that women with pious moms are 80% less likely to be depressed in 10 years than women whose mothers aren't so reverent. In other words, Columbia University studied moms, and they discovered that they're 60% less likely to be depressed if these women had pious mothers who had faith. In other words, faith encourages our hearts. Faith inspires us. Faith enables us to live beyond the depression that some people are experiencing. Here's another study published in the Journal of American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry. It said daughters belonging to the same religious denomination as their mothers are even less likely, 71% less likely to suffer the blues. Sons are 84% less likely. So if you want to lower your blood pressure, reduce your risk of heart attack, increase the cheerfulness and happiness of your life, reduce the possibility of at-risk behavior such as alcohol abuse and drug abuse, if you want to reduce the incidence of depression, faith. According to this research from many of the leading universities of America, faith enables us to live a better quality of life here as well as prepare for life tomorrow. Duke University studied 577 men and women who were hospitalized for physical illness. And it showed that the more patients that used positive religious coping strategies, that is, they sought spiritual support from friends and religious leaders, they had faith in God, they prayed, that the more they did that, the lower the level of their depressive symptoms and their quality of life. Journal of Mental and Nervous Disorders, 1998. Are you getting the impression that faith has something to do with our health? and our quality of life. That only makes sense because we are physical, mental, and spiritual beings. What you do to affect yourself physically, if you have poor physical habits, that's going to affect your mind, your brain. And our brains are the very avenue through which God communicates to us. So if our physical habits are poor, our thought processes will be poor, and our relationship with God will be hindered. If, on the other hand, we are filled with anxiety and tension, that affects our bodies and also our spiritual life. But if we have a positive spiritual life, if we're filled with faith and confidence and trust in God, that makes a major impact not only on our spiritual life, but because we are physical, mental, and spiritual beings which cannot be separated. We are interrelated human beings. A positive spiritual life affects dramatically our physical life as well. Faith makes a what, everybody? Faith makes a difference. But that leads us to a question. What is faith? How do you exercise faith? I was giving a Bible study to a family far back in the valleys of Tennessee. I had driven down a dirt road and come to a log cabin. That cabin didn't have a uh, running water, it didn't have electricity, it had a dirt floor. And I had been giving Bible studies to this family, meeting them, giving them spiritual counseling for a number of years, a number of months. One of their friends walked in and the man was smoking a big cigar. And the first words out of his mouth were these, praise the Lord, I'm healed. 
as he puffed on his big cigar. Now, I was young in those days and a little bolder than I am today, not quite as diplomatic. So I said to the big cigar man, big cigar man. No, I didn't interest like that. I said, sir, may I ask you a question? Oh, yes. What are you healed of? He said, young man, I'm healed of cancer, smoking his big cigar. I said, well, tell me your story. He said, well, six months ago, I went to the doctor, and he showed me that I had a major spot in my lung. It was malignant, and I had cancer. I went back today, and he couldn't find the cancer. I'm healed. So I said to the big cigar man, what about your big cigar? He said, young man, if you have enough faith, you can smoke as many big cigars as you want, and cancer will never touch you. Was the big cigar man right or wrong? Is faith believing that I can do anything to my body that I want and believe that God in some miraculous way is going to heal me? What is faith? How does faith work? What is faith? How does faith work? Why does faith seem to work for some people and faith not work for other people? Why does faith accomplish so little for some and so much for others? Is faith some sort of good luck charm that gets us whatever we want? Is faith some kind of rabbit's foot? Is faith some four-leaf clover that you just kind of name it and claim it? What is faith all about? If I have enough faith, will everything always go right in my life? If I have enough faith, will nothing ever go wrong in my life? Is faith some kind of hyped up, psyched up, jacked up positive thinking? That, oh, I have faith, so I'm automatically always going to be healed of cancer. Never will die if I have faith. Is that faith? Is faith saying, oh, I just prayed that God will send me $10,000 to pay my bills today because I'm in debt? So I believe I go in the mailbox and I'll open up some check. You know, is faith saying, oh, I prayed it's not going to rain, so it won't rain so I can go on a picnic or go to the beach? What is faith? Evidently, faith will be in short supply when Jesus comes. Because the Bible says in Luke 18, verse 8, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? Whatever faith is, it's going to be in short supply before Jesus comes. Whatever faith is, it will be a quality that very few have. Faith is not some candy-coated, sugar-coated cotton candy that's sweet in your mouth but leaves you spiritually malnourished and leaves you empty and broken and shattered when things don't go well in your life. What is faith? Well, faith is so important that the Bible has an entire chapter on faith. What difference does faith make in our lives? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 and see what we can discover about life-changing faith. Let's go to Hebrews 11 and see what we can discover about radical faith. Let's go to Hebrews 11 and see how this faith can change us. In Hebrews the chapter 11 verse 1, the Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance. The Latin word substance comes from two words, sub and stance. You know what the word sub means, don't you? The Latin word substance, sub means under. Example, a submarine is a boat that goes under the sea, under the water. We might use the word subterranean subterranean. It's something under the earth. So sub is something that is under. What about this word stance? Stance refers to the essence of a thing. The substance is the thing that stands up there, everything else in your life, supporting, sustaining, and securing it. So what is faith? Faith is that foundation of your spiritual life. Faith is what supports and sustains and secures your spiritual life. Faith is the very foundation of our spiritual life. 
And when that foundation is secure, whatever winds of difficulties blow upon you, whatever winds of challenges blow upon you, whatever winds of heartache and sorrow and disappointment blow upon you, if the foundation of faith is secure, the house of faith will indeed stand. Hebrews 11 verse 1, Berkeley's translation, but faith forms a what? Solid ground for what's hoped for. If you have strong faith, there's a solid ground between your feet that is not going to shake and lead, knock you down, leave you down. In Weymouth's translation, it says, now faith is the confident assurance of that for which we hope. What is faith? It is confident assurance. It's knowing that God loves me. It's knowing that God cares. It's knowing that I am His child. It's knowing that He will never, ever do me any harm. Faith is the north star of our lives that gives our lives direction. Faith is the assurance that ultimately God will fill all of our dreams. Faith is the assurance that He's big enough to deal with our problems, that He's great enough to deal with our difficulties, that there's nothing beyond His power to accomplish. Faith energizes our lives. Faith, as we have faith in God, our brains release positive chemical endorphins to bring life to every nerve and tissue in our bodies. Faith sustains us in the perplexing questions of life. We, not, we may not know the answer, but we know one who does know the answer. We may be perplexed, but he is never perplexed. We may be confused, but he is never confused. We may be weak, but he is strong. We may be powerless, but he is all-powerful. Faith looks beyond what we are to what he is. Faith looks beyond our ignorance to his wisdom. It looks beyond our weakness to his strength. It looks beyond our problems to his solution. It looks beyond our challenges to his enduring might. Faith is the essence of the spiritual life which keeps it from crumbling. Faith enables us to hang on in life's most troubling times. What is faith? Faith is a relationship with God as a friend well known, which leads us to do whatever He asks and accepts whatever He allows with the absolute assurance that He only wants the best for our lives. That's faith. That's faith. It is the relationship with God as a friend well-known, knowing that He loves me, knowing that He cares for me, knowing that He will never do me any harm. It leads me to trust Him in every circumstance of my life. I love the way one of my favorite authors puts it in a book called Education, page 253. Faith, let's read it together. Faith is trusting God, believing that He loves us, and knows best what is for our good. What is faith, everybody? Can you say it together with me? Faith is what? Trusting God, knowing that He what? Loves us and only desires what? Our best good. Let's go to heaven's hall of fame of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, be prepared for some surprises tonight. You know, sometimes when you study the Bible, you discover things that you never thought were there, and they change your paradigm. They change your perception. In Hebrews chapter 11, we have God's hall of fame of faith. Let's look at that hall of fame of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, by faith Abel. Did Abel have faith, yes or no? By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained a witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. Cain did not have faith, did he? And Cain lived. Abel had faith, and he died. Wow. That's strange, isn't it? If Abel would not have had faith, he would have lived. But because Abel had faith, and he offered the animal sacrifice that God required... Cain became angry and killed him. Here's something to keep in mind. The first example of faith in Hebrews 11 is not a man who has faith and lives, but a man who has faith and dies. Next example of faith. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death 
and was not found because God had taken him, for before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Enoch had faith and he lived. Enoch has faith and he lives. Abel has faith and he dies, but it's the same quality of faith. Let's keep going. We have two more. You have Noah, the next one listed, and then you have Abraham. What does the Bible say? Hebrews 11, verse 7, by faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen. Did Noah have faith, yes or no? By faith Noah, divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Noah had faith, and he remained where he was for 120 years, building an ark, in spite of the fact that there was no rain. He trusted God, believed what God said, stayed right there, built the ark. Now that is faith. There is no rain, but he believes what God has said. What about Abraham? By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go up out to the place that he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Noah has faith and he stays. Abraham has faith and he goes. What contrasts? Abel dies by faith and Enoch survives by faith. Noah stays by faith and Abraham ventures out by faith. We're just beginning this chapter. Sarah has faith and she conceives a child. How old was she when she conceived? How old? 90. Does that take faith? Anybody 90 here? Let's try it. <laughs> Sarah conceives a child by faith, and God gives her that child, but Abraham has to take the same child up to offer him up to God. So by faith, Sarah conceives the child with Abraham, but by faith, Abraham takes Isaac up, to sacrifice him. And God, of course, works that, that miracle. God honors Abraham's faith and God delivers the child. Are you beginning to see a pattern? Abel has faith and he dies. Enoch has faith and he lives. Noah has faith and he stays. Abraham has faith and he goes. Sarah has faith and she conceives a child. Abraham has faith and he offers up the child. Think about Joseph. Joseph is faithful to God in spite of the difficult circumstances of his life. He is sold as a slave into Egypt. Faithfulness to God, trust in God, leads him to refuse the advances of Potiphar's wife. Joseph eventually becomes the assistant to Pharaoh, stays in Egypt, and lavishes in its wealth. Falsely accused, before that time, Joseph is thrown into prison. As a result of his faith and faithfulness, God honors Joseph. And uh, you remember, the, he interprets the Pharaoh's dream, and there are seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine, and Joseph builds these grains. Joseph has such faith that God trusts him, and he stays in Egypt. But Moses is a different story. Moses is brought up in Egypt, and Moses has su such faith Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, he chooses rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked for a reward. What happened with Moses? He went out of Egypt. Do you see the contrast? Joseph had faith and he remains in Egypt, while Moses had faith and God leads him out of Egypt. Wait a minute now. What's going on here? Abel has faith and he, Enoch has faith and he, Noah has faith and he, Abraham has faith and he, Sarah has faith and she, Abraham has faith and he, offers up the child. Joseph has faith and he stays in, Moses has faith and he, I want you to see something that is critical. Through faith, Joseph becomes rich and Moses becomes poor. Faith is not telling God what I want and believing it, he'll give it to me. Faith is seeking God's will for my life. Here is the common denominator with Abel, Enoch, Abraham, with Sarah. Here's the common denominator with Joseph and Moses. Although the circumstances of their life were all different, Health and sickness, receiving a child and giving up the child, poverty and riches. So what you see in Hebrews 11 
is the varied circumstances of life and the contrasting circumstances of life, life and death, going and staying, living and dying, wealth and poverty. And you see some in Hebrews 11 where the angel takes the hand and protects somebody from being killed by the sword. The Bible says that. But then you see also in Hebrews 11 some being killed by the sword. What is faith? Faith is an abiding trust in God in spite of the circumstances of my life. So faith is not dependent upon what's happening around me. Faith is dependent on the trust I have in the God above me. Faith is not dependent on our feelings. It's not dependent on our circumstances. Faith transcends our feelings. Faith transcends our circumstances. Faith soars into the heights of trust in a God that will always make things come out right. And I can die believing that one day Christ will come. One day the grave will be open. One day time will fade into eternity. One day the chaos and conflict and crisis of earth will be over. One day the disease and disaster and death of earth will be over. One day war and worry and want will be over. One day poverty and pestilence and pollution will be over. One day Jesus will come. Faith looks beyond my tears. Faith looks beyond the brokenness of my heart. Faith looks beyond the disappointment of my life. Faith looks beyond everything that's going on around me and it grasps the reality. He is there. He's sitting on his throne. He loves me and cares for me. That kind of faith will energize you no matter what happens in your life. Faith isn't dependent on our feelings. Faith isn't dependent on our circumstances. The common denominator in Hebrews chapter 11 is what, everybody? Trust. That's the common denominator. The Bible says, Romans 1 verse 17, read it with me. The just shall live by faith. Faith is not simply intellectual belief. It is something you live by. And when you live by faith, your blood pressure is going to go down. When you live by faith, I am not implying, I need to be very clear, I'm not implying that if, if you have high blood pressure, you don't have faith. I don't mean that at all. There may be lifestyle factors. I'm simply suggesting that faith has an impact on our physical life. Faith has an impact on our physical life. Faith is active, not passive. It's the dynamic force in our lives that propels us forward with confident assurance. That's what faith is all about. Hebrews chapter 11 says some of these people were stoned, but they had faith. Some were sworn in two, they had faith. Some were slain with the sword, they had faith. Some were destitute, they were afflicted, they were tormented. They wandered in the deserts and mountains, but they believed that one day everything was going to be all right. They believed, in spite of their circumstances, that there was a bright ray of hope because they trusted the promises of the living God. What is faith? Faith is trusting God for strength in our weakness. Faith is trusting God for wisdom in our ignorance, for courage in our fear, for peace in our anxiety, for hope in our depression, for guidance in our doubt, for joy in our sorrow. That's what faith is all about. Faith does not know defeat. It does not understand the word impossible. Because faith trusts a God that fills us with incredible courage. Faith trusts God in all of life's circumstances. That's the kind of God, faith God wants to have in you. That's the kind of faith that God wants you to have, rather, in Him. Hiram Judson was a missionary to the Orient. And he was a missionary in Burma. Judson was falsely accused. He was arrested and he was thrown into prison. Beaten, lying there in that hot, muggy, damp, dirty, dingy dungeon. And as he lied there, weak, emaciated, strength gone, another prisoner looked over at him and the prisoner said to him, Dr. Judson, what about the prospect of the conversion of the heathen now? Judson had been chained to a bamboo pole. There, this thin, emaciated missionary chained to the bamboo pole, weak. And Judson said, the prospects are just as bright as the promises of God. Because he looked beyond his condition to the God that was all powerful. Faith must have a source. You see, you don't have faith in faith. Neither do you have faith in yourself. It is not faith in what I can do, 
It's what faith in what He can do. It's not faith in how smart I am. It's faith in how wise He is. It's not faith in my ability. It's faith in His ability. It's not faith that I am strong enough to cope. So faith is not, I know that I have willpower and I'm strong enough to cope. When we come to Jesus, faith is a gift that He places in our hearts. And as we exercise that faith or trust in Him, our faith will grow. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 6, but without faith it's impossible to do what? Please Him. For he, comes, he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. So faith leads me to trust a God that loves me, a God that only wants the best for my life, and a God that will reward me for seeking Him. I love the way Jeremiah 29 verse 11 puts it. God says to you tonight, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. So a God who is love, who came on a mission of love in Christ, who redeemed the world in love, still sits on a throne of love. And this loving God has positive plans for your life. Faith reaches up and has the trust and belief that He loves me. So faith is the hand that reaches up and receives His love and internalizes it. And because love is the most powerful force in the world, as I trust Him and believe in Him, and His love enters my life, it becomes healthy and life-transforming. Dr. Cummings points this out in his Creation Health Seminar workbook. He said, God's love is the key that unlocks human potential. His love transforms our lives. It empowers us to rise above our challenges, and this love helps to heal our wounds. It is faith that enables us to trust this loving God and receive His love into our lives. In a book called Love, Medicine, and Miracles, Dr. Siegel writes, unconditional love, that is the love of God, is the most powerful stimulant of the immune system. The truth is, love heals. The truth is, love heals. As by faith, you accept God's love into your life. As you trust Him in spite of any dark shadows that come into your life. The love of God flowing into your life through the channel of faith brings healing and strength to the immune system. Dietrich Bonhoeffer resisted the German occupation and the Nazi regime and Hitler's Third Reich. Bonhoeffer was arrested and he was thrown in prison. While he was in that German prison, the Americans were bombing that particular city. And Bonhoeffer wrote later, he said, the bombs were falling all around me. Here I was a prisoner of Hitler's Third Reich. The bombs were exploding. People were screaming and dying. And Bonhoeffer said, I sensed in that prison, with the bombs falling all around me, the very presence of God. My faith transcended the immediate circumstances, and I was able to grasp the reality of God's presence. He experienced the reality of Hebrews 11:27. The Bible says, he endured seeing him who is invisible. Now, let me ask you a question. If you're an English teacher, what does the word invisible mean? If you're not an English teacher, what does it mean? Something is, that is invisible is something you do not what? See. So this Bible passage is not linguistically true. It's not linguistically true because if it is invisible, you cannot by definition what? See it. So with the natural eyes, you never see something that's invisible, but by faith, we look beyond the natural eyes, and that's why this biblical statement is true, because by faith we see that which is invisible. So when all around you there's trauma, all around you there's difficulty, all around you life seems to be falling apart, you look beyond that which is to the reality of God's divine presence, and you see Him who is invisible. God is the source of our faith. Somebody said, but Pastor, that's just my problem. My faith is just too small. 
I mean, when things happen to me, my stomach is in knots, my mind is whirling, I'm tense, I'm uptight. And, uh, Pastor, how can I increase my faith? I just don't have any faith. Well, the problem isn't that you don't have any faith. The problem is you've not exercised the faith you already have. You missed it. You missed it. The problem is not you don't have any faith. The problem is you haven't been exercising the faith that God already put in your heart. If you are a Christian, this is what the Bible says. Romans 12, verse 3, let's read it together. God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. What has God given you? A measure of faith. Can you say that with me tonight? God has given me a measure of faith. God has given me together. God has given me a measure of faith. Once more, God has given me a measure of faith. God has placed faith in your heart. When you're brought into a crisis circumstance, exercise the faith that is already given to you by God as a gift. Say, God, I believe. I believe. Not because my feelings prompt me to believe. Not because the circumstances of my life. I trust you in this God. I have confidence in you in this God. I believe you love me in this God. Faith is a gift that God gives us. And the more we exercise that gift, the more that will grow. Now, there are some ways that our faith grows. If you want your faith to grow, exercise the faith that you have. Faith grows as we learn to trust God in the trials and challenges we face in life. Faith also grows as we meditate on God's Word. The more you meditate on the Word of God, the more you fill your mind with that Word, the more faith is going to grow. The Bible says, Romans 10, verse 17, let's read it together. So then faith comes by hearing, and by hearing the Word of God. So as you meditate on God's Word, as you fill your mind with God's Word, your faith will grow. As you walk with Jesus through the New Testament, as you see Him touch the eyes of the blind and they're opened, He'll touch your spiritual eyes and you will have new confidence where you had doubt. As, Jesus, as you go with Jesus through the New Testament and you see Him touch the ears of the deaf and they're unstopped, and you hear Him speak words of hope and comfort, you'll feel Him speaking those words of hope and comfort to you. As you see Jesus heal the paralytic, you will find new strength. As you go with Jesus through the Gospels and you see Him calm the storm, you will sense Jesus calming your troubled heart. As you see Jesus in breaking the bread and feeding the 5,000, you'll sense that He too can feed you. Studying God's Word leads us to a deeper trust in Him. Because as we study God's Word, we sense that the God that worked miracles through Scripture can do the same thing in our lives. Dr. Howard Kelly was a professor of gynecology at John Hopkins University. He was actually one of the four leading founders of John Hopkins and took it to a particular fame. For many years of his life, uh, Dr. Kelly was a skeptic. He didn't believe in God. And he decided that he had been unfair with God. He said, God, I really don't believe in you. I really don't have much trust in you. I don't think you exist, but I've been unfair with you. And here's why. I have never read the revelation of yourself that you've given. I've really never put the Bible to the test. So I'm going to do with the Bible what I've done with science. And this eminent uh, physician, leading gynecologist in America said, I'm simply going to take the Bible and read it and see what happens in my life. As Dr. Kelly began to read the New Testament, here's his testimony. I have within the past 40 years of my life come out of uncertainty. For 40 years he was on uncertainty and doubt into a faith which is an absolute dominating conviction of the truth and about which I have not a shadow of doubt. He goes on to say, I place no limits to a faith vested in God as the sum of all wisdom and knowledge and trust Him through though standing alone before the world in declaring Him to be true. Dr. Kelly said, as I read the Bible, I had to come to the conclusion that there is a God and this God came into my life, transformed my life and for 40 years I've been in doubt and uncertainty. If your faith is weak, if your faith is shaky, if you have a very thin ice foundation below your feet and it's cracking, begin to read God's Word. Take the Gospel of John and read it. Take the Psalms and read them and begin to sense God shaping your mind, God strengthening your life, God giving you a greater faith. 
walk with Jesus through those gospels. Come with him down the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem. Watch him as he takes a little boy who's died in his hands and breathes new life and sense that he can breathe new life into that deadened spiritual life. Maybe you have been coming to church, but maybe you are spiritually dead. Maybe you no longer enjoy praying and your prayers go up to the ceiling and bounce back. Maybe Bible study has become boring. Open the Gospels. Read again the marvelous story of Jesus. And as you read, say, oh, Jesus, do that to, for me. You breathe new life into that boy that died. Breathe new life into me. You open those blind eyes. Open my eyes so I can see. You open those ears. Open mine ears, Lord. Lord, help me to trust you. Help me to know you and love you and serve you. Walk with Jesus. Come with him on the Sea of Galilee. Watch as he calms the storm. And as you read the story, make it more than a story for you. Say, Lord, come and calm the storm of my troubled life. As you come, as you come to this Jesus and read the parables of the good Samaritan who came to the man that was broken and bruised and bloodied on the road of life. And he took him in his arms and he healed his wounds. And you feel broken emotionally. You feel shattered emotionally. You feel crushed down and oppressed and it's like everybody else has walked by you, and you're bleeding emotionally. Your husband has left you for another woman. The diagnosis isn't good, and you've been told you've got six months to live. The bills are mounting up. Your house is underwater. You can't pay the mortgage. It seems that you're isolated and alone, and you're lying on this road that we call the road of life. You're broken. You're crushed. You're bloody. See in your mind someone coming near you. Imagine that he's holding you in, your, in, his, in, in his arms. Listen to the words of encouragement he speaks to your heart. Imagine him picking you up in his arms, taking you to the inn of safety, saying, my child, do not despair. My child, do not lose hope. My child, you are going to make it. Jesus comes as we read the New Testament and we see him in all of his beauty, all of his magnificence, all of his greatness. New faith dawns in our heart. New faith fills our mind because we come in contact with the living Christ. There's an amazing story of faith in the 20th century. The story of Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. The Elliots with four other missionary families began to study primitive tribes living in the jungles of South America. And they began to do vast research on a tribe called the Orca tribe. The Orcas were some of the most primitive warlike, fierce people in the world. And five young couples, 20s and 30s, made a decision that they would try to reach the Orca tribe with the gospel. They came to Ecuador, established a mission base. And one of the first things that the, they did is they took a plane and they began to fly over Orca land. They saw the little villages. The Orca primitive tribesmen, savages, looked up at them. And they saw that plane. They ran and hid. They had never seen anything like that before. They continued to fly over until the Orcas were comfortable with the plane. And they'd just look up and stare at it. Then they dropped gifts to the Orcas. They dropped them foodstuffs. They would drop them varying clothing items. They would drop them all kinds of things, things that they could use for gardening. Pretty soon, the orcas looked forward to the plane coming. They would cheer at the plane. Jim Elliott told his group, I think it's now time to make a landing on a little isthmus, a little sandbar. And they did. Now, every day from that little sandbar where they built a little shelter, 
they made contact by radio with their wives at another mission station. They did that for five straight days. Then there was silence. The women were concerned. One day went by, two days went by, five days went by. They had not heard anything from their husbands. They had no way of knowing what was going on. Elizabeth Elliot wrote a letter to her parents during that period of five days where she had no idea where her husband was. And this is what she wrote. Mom and Dad, I want you to know that your prayers are being answered moment by moment regarding me. I am ever so conscious of his everlasting arms. I have no idea what I will do for him if Jim is dead, but the Lord knows, and I'm at rest. After five days of not hearing from their husbands, the government flew a plane over that area, and they saw two bloody bodies floating in the river. Then they saw five bodies. Every one of those husbands of those five women were dead. When the word came to Elizabeth Elliot and the others, she gathered them around to pray. They tried to comfort one another. And then one of the women went to the piano. And as she went there, those women and children began to sing the song that they had used for worship the morning their husbands flew off. We rest on thee, our shield and defender. We go not forth alone against the foe, strong in thy strength, safe in thy keeping tender. We rest on thee and in thy name we go. Faith, Elizabeth Elliot wrote, must embrace doubt. Nothing less than faith could have brought us here to Auckland. Faith must embrace doubt. Her husband was dead. What would she do? She came back to the United States and regrouped. And God impressed her, go back. God impressed her, the Aukas still don't know Jesus. God impressed that young woman in her 20s to go and live with the Aukas. She moved into the jungles. Lived with an Indian tribe primitively. One day, two Auka women came to that tribe. She got acquainted with them. They agreed eventually after weeks to bring her back to the Aukas. She began to live with them. Weeks went by, years went by. They began to come to Christ one after another after another until that entire tribe was converted to Christ. Fast forward. One of those orcas is now an ordained minister. Kathy Saint, whose father was speared to death by this orca who now has come to Christ, who now is a pastor. Kathy Saint is baptized by one of the men who speared her father to death on the banks of the same river. Elizabeth Elliot's faith transcended the circumstances. Elliot, Elizabeth Elliot's faith transcended the darkness. Elizabeth Elliot's faith looked beyond what was. Faith triumphed over every obstacle. Your faith can triumph over every obstacle in your life. Her faith reached out for Elizabeth Elliot and grasped the hand of God in crisis. Whatever you are going through, your faith can grasp the hand of God in crisis. Faith became a channel for God's power to reach the orchids. God has strange ways of accomplishing His purpose for our lives. Faith looks beyond what is to what will be. Faith looks beyond our weakness to His strength. Faith looks beyond what we are to what he is. Faith reaches out to him. Tonight, Jesus speaks to you. He speaks to you tonight. and He says, my child, look beyond the circumstances of your life. Look beyond the difficulties of your life. Look beyond the challenges of your life. Look beyond what is around you. Reach out in trust. He speaks to you tonight. He speaks to you tonight. He speaks to you. He speaks to you. He says, my child, I love you more than you can imagine. Reach out and trust. And I will work miracles in your life that you cannot believe. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you that beyond this life,
there is a God that sits upon His throne. A God who holds the whole world in His hands. A God who loves us beyond what we can possibly imagine. A God who leads us to trust Him. Oh, for grace to trust Him more. Only trust Him. Only trust Him. Father, tonight, where our faith is weak, make it strong. Where we have been filled with doubt, fill us with trust. Where we've had unbelief, give us belief. Send us from this place with deeper confidence, deeper assurance, and deeper trust with you, now and forevermore. Amen. Now tonight, before you go, don't miss tomorrow night. Tomorrow night is the sweetest night of all the week. It's party night tomorrow night. Mrs. Finley is going to show you healthful desserts. You will see the carob chocolate cake that is so healthful. You will see soy ice cream that will make it it'll melt in your mouth if you had a chance to take a bite of it. You will see fruit balls. Oh, they're magnificent. Don't miss tomorrow night Mrs. Finley's demonstration on desserts. Now, we've been going down. We've talked about choice. We talked about rest. We talked about environment, activity, trust. Tomorrow night, interpersonal relationships. You know, my health would be really great if I didn't have to deal with any other people. If I didn't have to deal with all those crazy people in the world, you know, sometimes I think you and I are the only ones sane, right? How do you have positive interpersonal relationships and what positive supportive relationships do for your health? We'll have another testimony tomorrow night. Don't miss it tonight. Turn in your card. Get your magazine. I'll look forward to seeing you at the sweetest night of the week tomorrow night. God bless you. This media was produced by Audioverse for the NAD Health Summit. If you would like to learn more about the NAD Health Summit, please visit www.nadhealthsummit.com or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.